I want to encourage you to take a little risk in faith in the coming days. It's almost as if during worship this morning, I was hearing the voice of God in a way I haven't heard in a very long time. And the problem is I just got a lot of cobwebs up here. And I was like, oh my, like I recognize that voice. I recognize that, that impulse, that feeling. And I, I got to get these cobwebs out of my head so that I can hear it. Uh, Kim gave a word this morning during intercessory prayer that our, our, our ears need to pop. Like you're coming down from the mountain, your ears are clogged up, and they need to pop open so that you can hear God's voice. So I just want to encourage you just to open up your ears so that you can hear God's voice. And, and, and like I, I'm all for God doing a new thing, but maybe now he's going to remind you of what he used to sound like yeah. when you first loved him. So open up your ears and open up your hearts to what the Word of God has to say today. In the late 70s, I had the opportunity as a little, little boy to go and see Star Wars. The original Star Wars. I mean, that, that, that's aging me. So you can figure out how old I am because I was, I was there. And it was, it was mind-blowing for me as a little boy. And then we went to the theater multiple times. I think that we saw it eight times in the theater. You remember those days when you couldn't watch it on, you know, Netflix and watch it a million times? You actually had to go to the movie theater and watch it multiple times? I remember doing that. And as a boy, I was enthralled with Luke Skywalker. As probably my first real hero outside of Bible stories. I wanted to look like him, I, wanted, I dressed like him, I wanted to fight like him, I, I wanted to be Luke Skywalker. I had all the toys, my imagination was just set on fire, I thought I was him. And then I grew up, and I put away childish things. My mom sold all of my toys at a garage sale. I know, if I only had those today. Left the house, became a man, went to college, forgot about all the Star Wars stuff, didn't play with toys anymore. I know that there are some grown men that still play with toys. I'm not sure about that. Well, I'm not judging. Okay. <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> but even the movies that, you know, I just, you just, you know, like, I'd rather watch some deep, intelligent movies, like some art house films or something. So I just completely forgot about Star Wars. And then in the 90s, in the uh, mid to late 90s, they re-released the series in the theaters. Do you guys remember th when this happened? They re- What's that? The special edition, they actually put in some CG effects, and it became a, a little bit of a, an event, a cult, a cult following event, where the grown men that once idolized Luke Skywalker, they would return to the theater to experience it once again. Was that just me? Did anybody else do this? A few of you? Awesome. I was in Seattle when this happened. 
And it has been years since I had experienced Luke Skywalker, and I'm sitting in the movie theater, and I am, I am just, my life is falling apart because Luke is not the guy that I thought that he was. Because <laughs> the reality of Luke Skywalker is that he was whiny and complaining and an annoying teenager, and it just grated on my nerves. He's like, I need to go to Takashi Station and get some power converters. And I'm like, what? This is my hero? What? So my life was shattered in that moment. My hero is a big whiner. What, what, what happened? So I had to do some soul searching and, and figure out why this took place and maybe come up with some different heroes that didn't complain so much. Uh, Tuesday, in our staff meeting, Pastor Michael Jones led us into a prayer experience, the pastoral staff, uh, where we prayed together as a team and we really sought God's voice. We looked at scripture, applied the scripture to uh, our prayer model. And then after we prayed as a team, we went alone and we prayed for an hour nonstop. That might be pretty hard for most of us because we have ADD and we can't focus and, you know, we see squirrels and we're just like distracted. Is that, am, am I the only one that gets distracted in prayer time? Just being transparent. But it really was amazing because um, the amount of time and the preparation that we took in order to go into an hour of prayer helped tremendously. And when we all came back, we all said the same thing, that it only, it didn't seem that long. It didn't seem like an hour. It just seemed like 15 minutes maybe. And so in my prayer time, I do have a prayer journal. I don't write in it every day. I'm not that type of a prayer journal person, but I do write in it when I, when I feel the presence of God or when I hear his voice or if I'm going through something difficult. And so I, I wrote out my prayers to the Lord, and I was very specific. I did probably four pages of prayer. And it's just an opportunity to be transparent with God on paper. I recommend it. It's a good practice. Be transparent with God on paper. And I was looking through it, and then I wasn't bored, okay? But... I had this impulse to go back and read all of my prayers for some six years. And again, that's not an everyday thing. It was only when I felt like I needed to write and communicate with God on paper. And so I was looking back years and years and years of prayers to the Lord. And there their prayers, their dreams that I wrote down. If I, have a, if I have a vivid dream that I know is from the Lord, I write it down. I know the difference between a God dream and a pizza dream. <laughs> and I noticed a consistent pattern in my prayer life that bothered me. I was doing a lot of complaining. I was doing a lot of whining. It's almost as if it was like a broken record. Year after year after year, complaining about the same thing over and over and over again. And this is what I noticed. I was complaining. I was almost using the same exact language. 
I was using the same exact cries to the Lord, okay? Same thing. But the situations were different. The circumstances were different. The people were different. Everything was different. The only thing that was the same was the way that I was complaining about everything that was in my life. And so I had this epiphany. How about if I just stop? Because the situations change. Circumstances evolve. Things grow or things decrease in life. But one thing that was staying consistent was the attitude of my heart. So why not just change that? Why don't you just change, your atti- why don't you just change that attitude of my heart? And so this is the thing that was going on. I was stuck. There's a roadblock, a mind block. I got, I got stuck in my journey, my writing process. Writer's block, if you will. And I think we need to look at that. If we're authoring our life with God today, uh, I, I, if I'm stuck, chances are I'm not the only one that's been stuck. And so this morning... We're going to continue to look at the life of David. He had moments when he got stuck. But David is unique in that he is a leader that always breaks out. He is a man that always breaks out. And you and I want to be like him. All right? Now, we don't want to murder people. We don't want to be a warlord. Um, We don't want to have affairs. We don't want to do any of that. But we do want to have the same mindset that David has when confronted with difficult situations. Pastor jo- or Elder Joyce uh, gave a scripture this morning from Psalms 51. Um, where's Joyce? Joyce, what is it again? When I am afraid, I trust you. All right. When I am afraid, I trust you. That's, what da- that's a David mindset. Meaning that, uh, okay, when I'm afraid, I usually freak out and fall apart. Okay? Right? When I, when, I'm a, when I am anxious, I get paralyzed and I can't move. When I am complaining, I stay in that pattern. But David does not. He breaks out. Why? Because he says things like that. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. He doesn't say, when I am afraid, I ignore it. Right? He doesn't, he doesn't just shift it off. He embraces the fear, but he, again, he continues to put his faith in God. I think it's very interesting that last week I, I preached on David and Goliath, and we're going to review that again today. And then Wednesday night, Pastor Landon preached on David and Goliath, and this coming Wednesday during Fed. Judy Powers is going to preach on David and Goliath and the power of declarations. And I want to encourage you to come and hear her on that one. So God's doing something with this story. And I want to highlight David's story on how he co-authored it with the Lord. All right. There is a story pattern, a story arc, if you will. 
few years ago, a historian, anthropologist named Joseph Campbell came up with this or observed a system of storytelling which he coined as the hero's journey. And he noticed a continual theme in this story pattern, this story arc, that is consistent across most hero stories. The Odyssey, the Iliad, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter. Uh, what's that other teeny bopper one where the girl has the bow and arrow and she kills everybody? Hunger Games. Hunger Games. <laughs> it's all the same story. It has a pattern that we can identify with, that, we, that it makes sense to our unconscious or maybe even our subconscious mind. We, we know that, okay, this is, this is the pattern. Uh, Luke Skywalker falls into the hero's journey as well. So let's bring up the graphic. I want to show it to you, and then I'm going to show you how it applies to David. Oh, that's David. Okay, let's just stay here real quick. So David... This is my favorite artist, my favorite biblical artist, So, And this is, this is, I love this, this artist. But yeah, so you know David killed the giant, chops his head off, and then, like a boss, carries this head around for days. <laughs> kind of gross. Okay, anyway, I had to show you that. Okay, next picture. Okay, you familiar with that one? Same artist, love it. Maybe you saw this in Sunday school. And then put this in into your mind. Well, we'll go, I'll, I'll return to this one later. Same artist to so. sew. I love it. Okay, but here's the hero's journey. So, there is a call to adventure. So, the hero has a call. The hero is ordinary. The hero has a mundane, boring life. He's a farmer, or he's a moisture farmer on Naboo or whatever planet he's from. Or he is a herdsman that takes care of his father's sheep. Nothing very special happens to this person. And then one day something takes place where there is a supernatural aid. So something takes place that gets the attention of the hero. That says that there is more to life than your everyday, mundane, punching-the-clock type of experience. And there is a call. I am 100% convinced that every single one of you have a call on your life. You cannot get away with it. There is a call upon your life where God steps into your everyday mundane existence and says, here I am. I am calling you. And then the hero experiences, well, Campbell will say, a bit of magic. Now, we don't believe in magic here at Granite Creek Community Church. But an encounter with God. And David, as a young boy, has an encounter with God through the prophet Samuel, where the prophet Samuel almost kind of supernaturally singles out the eighth child 
The child most likely that was born from another woman, maybe out of wedlock, we don't know. Those are just, you know, theologians' speculations. But we know that he was the eighth. We know that he wasn't presented. We know that he looked different than his brothers. Those are the, that's, those are the facts to the story. We know that he was kind of like off to the side. He didn't, they didn't want to present him to the holy man. And, and Samuel says, no, there's something else. I have to find it. So, in a sense, it was God leading Samuel to find David, the anointed, and then he anoints him to be king. He has an experience. And from this anointing, eventually David crosses the threshold from everyday life onto the battlefield, into the court, eventually entertaining the king. His life becomes completely different, radically changed. His whole environment changes. Most everybody on the planet has that agricultural lifestyle. To end up in the king's court or to end up on the battlefield means that there's, there's something more going on here. So that is David's transition into the other world, a world that's bigger than his own life. It would be like Luke Skywalker leaving his moisture farm and blasting off into an adventure into space. He's going into a new existence, a new reality. Okay? He crosses the threshold. He finds a helper. Luke finds Obi-Wan Kenobi. David finds Samuel and Nathan. Becomes a mentor begins to teach. And the fascinating thing about Samuel, Nathan, and Obi-Wan, Obi-Wan's not in the Bible, by the way. If you're just curious about that, it's not, that's not scriptural. The fascinating thing about these prophets is that they're not, they're not teachers. They're not there just giving information. They're not there just saying, okay, this is how you got to do it. Now, they, they shepherd the young man. They, they teach the young man. They father the young man. Hebrews 5, 12 says, that By this time, you ought to be teachers. You need someone to teach you the elementary truths about God's word all over again. You need milk and not solid food. 1 Corinthians 4, 15 says, that You have countless tutors. In Christ. Okay, just think about this in our own context for a second. You have countless tutors. If you are a student of the Bible and of God and of spiritual things, and if you have access to a computer, you have countless tutors. You have countless teachers. You can, you can learn from anybody all over the world within minutes. It's absolutely amazing. But I want you all to hear this and pay attention to this. Yet, you do not have many fathers. For in Jesus Christ, I became your father through the gospel. Well, let's say you're on a journey. You need to find, or more actually more accurately, God will present to you a spiritual father and a spiritual mother. You don't, need a, you don't need a professor. 
You need a father, you need a spiritual mother. Maybe, just maybe, God is calling you to become a Samuel or Nathan, to become a spiritual father and a spiritual mother for someone. All right, let me go back to my little cycle. All right, and then after you have been fathered or mothered or encouraged to know that there's something more in this world than, than the everyday life, you will come up with against a challenge. David crosses into the new world. He crosses into a battlefield, crosses the threshold, and what does he do? He fights a giant. Like, that's a big deal. He fights this giant, and he overcomes the giant, and he overcomes challenges. At the middle is something, is a transition that takes place where even to the hero, something bad takes place. Something tragic rocks this person's soul to the core. Where there is almost, well, in some mythologies, a literal death. If it's not a literal death, it's almost like a psychological death of the soul, of the, of the person. And then from that point, there must become a rebirth or a, res or, or a resurrection of some sort. Now, obviously, David does not die, and he's not reborn in the story, but there is a part of this story where he is at his lowest, and you can read all about it in the Psalms when you see how low David has gotten. And again, this is after he has killed Goliath. This is after he has been anointed king. This is after he has been in, as installed as king. And he finds his whole world falling apart. Of course, he blew it. He sinned with Bathsheba. He has his friend Uzziah killed in the front lines. Nathan calls him out. And from that poor decision, something tragic happens where his son from Bathsheba is, is going to die. And he goes dark. He goes deep in prayer. He is pleading with, with God to save his child. He is mourning. He is, he is in ashes and, and ripping his clothes and then the child dies, and he is in a dark spot. Now, this is what David does that you and I might not do. When that took place, when the Lord says, this is, this is the result of your sin. This is the result. You, you chose death over life in this action that you've done. And these are the consequences to sin. That, it's really hard for us to get our heads around. The point is, Is David got up. He washed himself. He put on his clothes. And he showed up to work the next day. I'm not saying that he wasn't sorry or repentant. He was clearly repentant. He said, I, I've sinned against you and I sinned against the Lord. No, he was clearly repentant. But he moved on from that grief. He moved on from that darkness. He was, in a way, reborn. And then there is an atonement. 
a transformation and an atonement. Well, gift of the goddess, that's something different. We don't, we don't have goddesses in the Bible. If we do, they're bad. Um, and then we're, well, they kind of really, they kind of go back to the Shire. They go back home. They, re, they return home. But this is the important thing. They don't return home to the way that home was when they left. They come back a transformed, different person, a new creation, and where they see their old world as something new that can be created for God's purposes. A new creation. All right, so for the sake of time, let's bring my graph back up. Because I need to show you this in your own personal life. This is something that I've seen in pastoral ministry, something that I've experienced. So, again, you're all called. If you haven't been called, you wouldn't be sitting in the church today. He's at least called you out of bed on Sunday morning to come to church and listen to this. So everybody's been called. Somewhere along the line, if you are a believer, you've had an encounter with God. Somewhere along the line, you have heard the still, small voice of God, or maybe you have felt the sweet presence of Maybe you have felt electricity and power. Maybe you have been physically healed. I love it when people encounter God's power for the first time. Because it is, it is so revolutionary to their existence. They, they, they've gone on with their whole world thinking that this is the way that it is, that we're here to grind it out, that life is short and brutish. And then all of a sudden they experience the kingdom of heaven. And everything changes. Their whole experience of life changes. Colors get brighter. Smells smell better. There is a renewed vigor for life. They have come to the realization that there is something on the other side. That there is heaven. And at moments, heaven comes down to earth. And some people get stuck there. Some people get stuck there and they never cross the threshold. They never move into battle. They've never fought a giant. They've just only experienced the king's presence. But they've never gone on to assignment. And then they sit there and they're frustrated and they whine to God. Why can't I feel your presence anymore? Why can't I feel your power? How come you haven't healed me lately? And then we began to whine and we began to complain. And we began to sound like Luke Skywalker, who's complaining about things that really don't matter. Once you get exposed to Never Never Land or Narnia or... Hogwarts, once you get exposed to the different world, it, it, it's, it doesn't end there. It's game on. It's where the adventure begins. So don't get stuck there. The next thing that you will do is that you will face a giant. David faced a lot of giants. The first giants that he had to face were his own brothers. 
Before he got the big guy, he had to argue with his brothers who didn't think that he was anything. They gave him proper, in, you know, they, they planted thoughts in his mind that were not of God. They were of men. And so David had to overcome that negativity of his own friends and family. But once he secured himself in God's strength, he was able to move forward with the truth of who God had made him and the truth of the circumstances and the truth of who God is. If you have a spiritual encounter, that is your indication that God has got a really important assignment for you to do, an assignment that only you can do. So you need to find yourself a spiritual father or a spiritual mother, a mentor, and not a teacher. So you can get stuck there. Now, I'd be willing to bet that there are many born-again Christians, Christians that have fallen in love with the gospel message of Jesus Christ, have stepped into the kingdom of heaven on occasion, has maybe even killed a few giants, that has had victory in the Lord. Have you ever had victory in the Lord? Have you ever been in a crisis of faith where you're having this kind of a conversation? God, I thought I was going to be functioning in heaven with signs and wonders and, and spiritual gifts. God, I thought that there was, you know, I can do all things to Christ who gives me strength and I am more than a conqueror in Christ. And that no weapon formed against me will prevail. So why, Lord, why did I have to die? Why, Lord, did I get my teeth knocked in? To put it in David's words, why, Lord, am I in the muck and the mire? You called me, you anointed me, you equipped me, you prepared me, and now I'm facing death? Now, if you're like me, and if you get stuck in this, pot, in this spot, all right, you need to listen to me. You need to listen to me deeply. Because it's actually a pivotal point. Like this bottom rung is a pivotal point. If you if you find yourself like, you know, I thought I was God's anointed. I thought I, I thought I had his favor, and yet this one thing is so bad it doesn't make any sense. If you're at that level of fear and disillusionment, like you got to choose. You really have to choose. You have to do what David says, and you have to say, why are you disquieted, O oh my soul? Put your faith in God. David says, I'm in the muck and the mire. Pull me out, Lord. I fear, but yet I choose to trust God. Like, if we do not have David's mindset when we have found our whole worlds turned upside down by either death or disillusionment or frustration or fear, like, if we do not have a David mindset, a king mindset, the other option is cynicism. We see this all over the world inside of Christianity, outside of Christianity, and it goes like this. 
If God really loved you, then bad things wouldn't happen to you. But here's the good news. Even for us seasoned saints that have gone through tragedy, we know that all things work for good for those that love and trust the Lord. We know this. And so we can literally look death in the face, disillusionment, heartache, we can literally look it into the face and we can say, Lord, I trust you. Come what may. You did it before, you do it again. Lord, if it even means that I have to die in this situation, then I will die for you. Uh, like that mindset, like I don't even, I don't think I'm there. But I made a choice. I made a choice to quit complaining. I'm going to get there, and you can come with me. So when you find yourself at the bottom, when you entertain the thought of the enemy that says that God has abandoned you, when you take the bait and you begin to whine. I have a scripture for you. <laughs> Philippians 2.14. Okay, you ready for this? Hang on to your seats. You're not going to like this scripture. You're not going to like it. But it is so good. If you just applied this one day of your life, your whole life would be revolution, revolutionized. It would change instantly. All right, listen to this. You guys ready? <laughs> this is so not cool. I'm sorry. Here we go. <laughs> Philippians 2.14. Do everything without grumbling or arguing. Amen. Wait, what? Everything? everything? Come on, God, let me complain about something. <laughs> I love to complain. It's my identity. I'm really good at it. Do you... <laughs> Like, who wrote this? <laughs> who wrote this? Do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure. Transformation. You want, you want transformation? If you want to become the hero that overcomes the, the hard, hard thing, not the giant, but the devil himself? You want transformation? Quit arguing and complaining so that you may become blameless and pure, transformed. Children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Did you see that there's identity there too? Yeah. Children of God, not sinners saved by grace. Right. Children of God. Then you will shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word of life. And then I will be able to boast on the day of Christ that I did not run or labor in vain. 
We're running, we're laboring, we're fighting, we're on a journey. Like, when you go on this journey, you can't complain about it. Yeah. A few more points, and I'll wrap it up. One, is that when we're on this journey, we need to hold every thought captive and make those thoughts obedient to Christ. Because they're coming in. Like, that whiny spirit of Luke Skywalker is going to come into your life and come into your mind. And you have to cast it out. There's going to be a calling on your life if you haven't had one, and you're going to come up, to, we're going to have an excuse as to why you can't follow that calling. Right. You're going to face a giant that is overwhelming and that you cannot defeat within your own power. And that's true. You cannot defeat Goliath within your own power. And you're going to come up with excuses as to why you can't do it. I can't kill that giant. I'm not big enough. I'm not strong enough. I don't have the resources. I don't have the skills. You will have a dark night of your soul when you're going to want to abandon God altogether. And you can't believe that lie either. You have to say, oh, I, I can do this. I don't, I don't understand. I don't understand God's sovereignty. I don't understand God's will. This doesn't fit my theology, yet God is good. So we need to do what David, David does. We need to believe what God says about you. You need to believe what God has already said about you. You need to believe, okay, what did God say about David? He's anointed. Let me, let me read you something real quick. Okay, it's not going to be quick. I'm going to read fast. <laughs> this is God speaking to David about who he is, what his story is, and what his legacy is. 2 Samuel 7, through his father, Nathan, his spiritual father, Nathan, go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day that I brought Israel up out of Egypt. So David's he's being commissioned to build the temple, but he can't because he's got blood on his hands. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, I did I ever say to any of the rulers whom I have commanded to my shepherd, my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I look from the pasture and from following the flock to, I, I took you, excuse me, I took you from the pasture and from following the flock. I have taken you from a mundane, boring life of poking sheep and punching time clocks. Look, I know you have to have a job. Don't quit your job and, you know, I'm not saying that. Right. To be the ruler over my people Israel. See, there's that, there's that threshold that he crossed. I have been with you wherever you have gone. I have cut off all of your enemies from you. Now I will make your name great. This is his promise for him. 
like the names of the greatest men on earth. True. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed, returning back and making Eden what it once was. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did in the beginning. And they have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all of your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and when you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you. You will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. It's talking about Jesus, by the way. I will be his father. He will be my son. When he does, I don't know, stop there. What truth has God said about you? What do you believe about what God has said about you? Can you get back to that truth? What truth has God said about your circumstances? I believe he's told you that you can overcome your circumstances. That's the truth. What truth has God said about himself? He is good. He is loving. And he is for you and not against you. So when you find yourself the dark night of the soul, you cast that thought out. God loves you. He'll get you through the hardest part. Amen? Amen. All right. Landon's friendly. Grab your elements. One of the... Whenever I'm receiving the body of Christ, I consider, of course, the fact that Jesus' body was broken for us. It's like a piece of bread. And that it also symbolizes manna from heaven, bread that literally fell from heaven to provide. So when you find yourself moving into new territory and you're up against the wall and you don't have the power, the resources, the strengths, the weapons, the brain power to win, win at life, win at work, win at school, whatever it might be. Do you know that you have this? Which is strength beyond your own strength, the body of Christ. It is your provision. If you need to be provided for, and I guarantee you that you do, you need to receive the body of Christ for your provision. He has promised to make you a new creation, inside of his body. Receive the body of Christ.
You can't be reborn without this cup. You can't transform without the blood of Jesus Christ. You can't be healed without the shedding of his innocent blood. Like David, we have all made huge mistakes, but this cup is sufficient. It will cover every mistake, every sin that we've ever made. So receive the covenant, the new covenant for the forgiveness of your sins and an entering into a new life where we can experience heaven on earth at a continual basis. Receive the blood of Christ. This is how I fight my battles. 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 It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Oh, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battle. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how I fight my battles. This is how. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Yeah. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. It may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. Oh, it may look like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you. All right, let me remind you that you are an author today, and I have given you a format, a template, an outline to go after, and it is the hero's journey. Bible calls it going from glory to glory, moving up and further in. And that that is the model that you want to write your life about. Like in advance, you need to write that you are going to have the victory in Christ, that you're going to overcome that dark night of the soul and the giants. You're going to move into transformation. You're going to become a new creation. That's how you need to write your story with God today. There's another model that's in the Bible. And this is the one that you do not want to use as your writing template. And that is called the sin cycle from Judges. It starts off as being God's children, getting a little lax, falling into sin, finding yourself enslaved and oppressed. Then you're calling out to God, please save me. He always does. And then you get comfortable and lazy and you find yourself doing it again over and over and over again. So when you write your story, don't write the sin cycle, write the hero's story. Amen.
God bless you guys. May the Lord bless you and keep you. Maybe he write his story with you. May he cause his face to shine upon you, to be gracious towards you, to turn towards you in your times of need, and to fill your environment, your situations, and your circumstances with peace, with love, with positivity, and no complaining and no arguing. Mm -hmm. The Lord does not inhabit the whinings of his people. God bless you guys. Have a great week. See you Wednesday. Like I'm surrounded, but I'm surrounded by you.